0: Good morning. Sorry about that. It's a little bit... Good morning, everyone. Hello. What's going on there? Hello, hello, hello. Sorry. What the hell is that? Hello, everyone. Good morning. How are we? We're horizontal. Guys, we're horizontal. Whereas Nads and Dina were, I hear, vertical. Oh, the joys of a health farm. Oh, the joys right now. If you listen, you can hear in the distance. The slapping of buttocks. Fantastic. The switch of birch. Oh, there's all sorts going to be going on there right now. All hot and frenzied. They're going to be curlier than ever, those curly cooks. I'll tell you that right now. Put a few hairs on my chest. I think they're in a sauna or they're in a steam room or they're in a something. Um, they're in a something. Um, now, if I seem distracted, I'm getting a, a gazillion WhatsApp messages at the moment, so I do apologise. Um, so, just, let me just uh, get rid of that. <clears throat> How are we all? How are we all? Good morning, if you're listening on podcast. Uh, welcome back to Coffee Moaning. Haven't seen you since Saturday. Uh, Nads is back, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, no, she's back tomorrow. So um, hopefully there'll be a Coffee Moaning with her on, certainly on Thursday. Um, Next week's going to be very bouncy. I think you're going to be looked after by Nadia for most of the beginning of next week and then me towards the end. Um, So, yeah, but we still want to touch back. And, you know, it's weird, isn't it weird how, (coughs) unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons, the news at the moment is understandably um, overwhelmed. Um, by the total, total catastrophe that is the Middle East at the moment, Israel and Palestine, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But I haven't seen you for a while, I want to touch base, how are you? Cherry D, it's chilly, seven degrees here. This morning, where's here, Cherry D? Seven degrees where? Storm Barot or something's coming in it? What's the name of it? Storm Bananas? Stormy weather apparently is coming, but apparently it's not really coming. So funny when you have journalists on the radio go tell us all about the storm that's coming together it's not really it's not really a storm it's just a bit of rain and then you're like is that really a news story rain is rain actually a news story good morning jackie roswell april hill freezing in devon under the covers lee durrant lee did you see the no name sunday show did you see the fantastic meme that maddie showed of how we all when we get up to go to the loo at night we get back and we we giggle like insane people as we get back under the covers. What a wonderful feeling that is, isn't it? The simple pleasures. I sometimes wonder whether what we should just do is get really cold and forever keep returning beneath our duvet in order to feel the joy of something. Not sure what. Okay, let's talk about this for a bit, because I think we should. What's the most unsettling or uncomfortable or discomforting part for you of going to bed? What happens for you? quite quickly that makes going to bed not pleasant. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Nadia fiddling with you or anything like that. I'm talking about, which is can be deeply unpleasant, um, if you don't expect it, things like my feet, here's the thing, let me start this off. My feet go really hot, really quickly. Does anyone, I don't, and I'm not one of those who wears socks, but my feet, whatever the weather, however hot, however cold, my feet, go so hot that I have to stick them out. Julie, leg cramp. Oh, you get leg cramp. Okay. Julie, bye. Bye. (laughs) Um, twitchy legs, Hazel Malbon. Um, yeah. uh, It's more expensive to not have heating on. It's more expensive to not have heating on. How is it more expensive to, because of the pain? Leg cramp, I guess. Elaine Denning, I always sleep with a foot out of the bed. Danielle, my dog's snoring. Restless legs. But, no, but no, one, no one else gets that hot-footed thing. My, your legs go warm, Stuart G. I'm the same with Hazel, with twitchy legs, says James McBear. Uh, I sleep with one leg in and one leg out, says Catherine Cronin. Yeah. And then, and then I start to do this thing where I want to sleep on my right, but then I think I want to sleep on my left. And then I think I want to sleep on my left, but really I want to sleep on my right. Then I get a bit offended that Nadia is forever sleeping on her left, so all I ever get to see is her curls. Which you go in for a cuddle, you get a mouthful of wire wool. I'm gonna put it out there. It's a mouthful of wire wool. Thank you very much, Zoe. Hope you are, well, darling. One leg on top of it. The- nah. Ah. Ah 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 ah. The wonderful what I call, you know when you get a, you know, when you get a rat? and you're making something and you flip it over. Or like when someone's making an omelette or something, they flip it over. I love the moment. There is some overthinking, Rhys Roberts, absolutely. Just overthink. For me, there is a moment, which I call the windmill moment. And it's a wonderful moment in bed where you launch one of your legs out and up and outside of the duvet. Do you do this? And as your leg goes up, there is just that wondrous expectation and knowledge that as it lands on the outside of the duvet, it's going to be cool. But how rapidly is that followed by sheer unbridled depression at the knowledge it doesn't last long, does it? It doesn't last long, does it? Like It's like the moment you flip a pillow over, you go, oh, and it's gone. It's not even long enough to go, oh, it's gone. It's just gone before you've had it. It's ineluctable, it's ineffable. you get that? For Erin might I fidget into all sorts of positions in bed, find it very hard to get comfy. I want to cuddle, but after a bit, I'm too uncomfortable. I love a cuddle, but then I want to actually want to throw her out the window. Not literally, but I do. There's that, let's cuddle, and then let's not cuddle. It's kind of like a dramatic cliff edge moment, isn't it? I really, oh, sweet, get off. Do you get that? And Nadia sleeps in such a sort of that shape. So her head's there, back there. Great for spooner, but she's like that. Just hope she. Falafel, not good. If she's had falafel. <clears throat> but her head is so far in that corner. If I wanted to go over there, I literally have to get a stepladder. Oh, Dawny Harvey. My brain is like, oh, you want to sleep and then thinks about anything over the last 40 years. <laughs> Tell you what. There's an ever lengthening scroll of time, isn't there? I hate being too hot, Cicely Lou Fogg. but then there are those moments when you get up in the middle of the night, you go to the loo and you're not ill, you're not unwell, but you get this, you go to the loo and a shiver and a shake enters your body unlike anything you've ever known. And for a moment in the deathly hallows of the top of the stairs or in the hallway, you're thinking to yourself, I've got the most awful, awful disease and I'm gonna die because I'm shaking faster than a chihuahua on speed does anyone get that i'm not like that I, 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 and then suddenly it's exaggerates so much that your entire body is glitching do you get that <laughs> it's so weird it's say like every now and then every now and then every now and then you go through and you think i can't control the shake of the body obviously ginger Lee Doran, especially being a man, you have to stand up and you sway side to side. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes if I'm shaking that much, I'll sit down. It's been known. Um, Zoe, her ears will be burning, but the pups don't lie. Hi. It's a it's a it's a it's a wilderness that nighttime time time. Do you get that, Natasha Tiramos? How are you, sweetie? The shivering is so weird. I rush back into bed and the warmth of my hot water bottle. Yeah, just like Maddie's Maddie's me. But then the hot water bottle becomes your enemy. It becomes your mortal enemy. The hot water bottle has that... Who else loves this? Oh, hang on. Nostalgic rubber smell accessing my nostrils right now. My olfactory senses are kicking in in a big way. Oh, the smell of an old... In fact, a blisteringly hot, hot water bottle doesn't get you hot. It just makes whatever part of your body you put it on, sweat. Have you not found that? So like if you put it on your feet, sweaty feet. (laughs) Put it on your back, sweaty back. Oh, good ship lollipop. I'm I'm, I'm pleased you shared that. I love the smell of plimsolls. I I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. All right, Rhys Roberts. I love the smell of my wallet, says Lee Doran. Well, don't we all? Um, Keeley Windle. I had a pink one, used to burn my legs. Pink what? I, I I I was scolded many times with a hot water bottle. What a lethal weapon if the if the top isn't screwed. And do you do that thing where you screw it on so tightly that you, it's just like tightness has never known tightness like it. Uh, Danielle, God, we've got to this funny smells. I love that. Let's not talk about smells in bed because Nads and Falafel, it's not good, it's not good. I dread to think, I dread to think what the combined sounds and carbon footprint is of Nadia and Dina's room, wherever they are. Because for I'm telling you right now, they'll be eating pulses and beans and it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. Croydon Council is still coping with the tsunami that Dina left just as she departed. So God only knows what's happening down there, up there, out there, wherever they are. Um, Reese, it was an absolute cluster fuck of no, no, no! I can't believe it. Not just not just illness, but a whole heap of other scheduling issues just kicked in. So no, it was a total f- f- fuck fest. I'm afraid. Um, still looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon this weekend. Um, How do you stop an eye twitching says Sarah Jones? Driving me mad. Thanks. I tend to punch myself really hard. Don't do that. I'm not saying you do it. It's what I do. Only ever we only ever recommend what we do. Don't ever do it. Don't ever, ever do it. Like, for example, don't let your wife try and hit something off the top of your head with a belt. Unless it's a lemon, a zested lemon, in which case, it will be very good. Oh, I thought, you know, who wants to do the news at this moment in time when it's just so divisive and depressing? We're getting there, don't worry. Small cup. It is a small cup, but I've also got a big can. Well, it's a small can, actually. I'm dreaming. Uh, you're right, Zoe, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Faith Goodman, please check expiry dates on your hot water bottles, they deteriorate. Wow, does it, do they, the rubber? Christos, eye twitch could actually be a sign of high caffeine intake. Oh, I must look out for that one. Never had that one before. Reese Roberts, for anyone seeing Killers of the Flower Moon be prepared to be in the cinema for four hours? Oh, flipping heck. Who's got don't oh, wait, score St. Marty. Sorry, this is the big film of the weekend. It's a biggie, it's got to be done, it's got to be seen. It's a biggie, it's a biggie. Four hours, come on. Uh, Review of The Creator is landing later, Reese. I hope you enjoy. Stacey Randall, you're naughty. I don't know how to say it. She's just, if you suddenly get a a free membership suddenly from someone, it's Stacey. Stacey's at. she's she's up to it again. The little little squirrel, the little hedgehog, whatever. Look, there you go, look at you all. Very, very kind of you, very sweet, lovely. Um, You're a star. Okay, let's calm things down and bring things down a little bit. Bethany Carl, what's your favourite type of coffee? Lots, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. I like the Arabica, is it? I like the, I, I love them when it says 11 or 10 and all that kind of stuff, so. Um, uh, Gemma Perry, I'm going to see the new Exorcist film. I was invited to a special screening, couldn't go because of fucking illness, uh, in a church, which I hear the film's shit, I'm afraid, but um, wow. I'd have loved to have seen it in a church. Stacy, someone gets Stacy's finger away from her button now. She's been incredibly naughty. Oh, right, okay. So, Julie Hilton, where's your favourite doggies? They're over there just dogging about. Don't like string coffee. What is string coffee in What the fuck was that? Oh, it's <laughs> just Chi Chi walking into a wall. Have a lovely day, Stacy. Uh, Christine, Eddie, night shift done, coffee morning, then bed, bedtime tea, not coffee. Okay. Well, I hope we've had enough fun. I hope I hope I hope, I hope we've lightened the load. I hope we've. I've, and now I'm off. No, I'm joking. We, we, we will have a wander through the news, but but the news is divisive. The news is very depressing. Um, it's incredibly complex, and everyone's got an opinion, and it's just really galling. Um, okay, so let's go there. Let's go there. Where are you all at right now in the Israel Palestine conflict? I there was a really really meaningful post by the uh, actor Riz Ahmed, if you don't know him, he's a fabulous young British actor. He was in Four Lions, that sort of uh, satire of uh, the suicide bombing kind of, you know, uh, ISIS members, really, so, you know, you, you know, uh, taking the piss, it was taking the piss out of the lunacy and ludicrousness of terrorism. He posted something on his socials along the lines of, "We, you know, the biggest victim here is humanity, um, people are taking sides, and, you know, he made a really important point that um, you, you know, whilst there's the absolute horror of what happened uh, only, what, 10 days ago uh, in... In Israel, one can can not ignore the continued, um, uh, you know, uh, occupation, violence, and conditions that the Palestinians have been in to get to that point. I think I think to pretend that you know it, you know the awfulness of that day happened without any kind of narrative build up is ludicrous, uh, a lunacy, and will actually only serve to ensure there is absolutely no resolution for a ludicrous amount of time. I think even in a family as we are, that has obviously a huge connection with the Middle East, when the topic of Palestine and Israel comes up, there is, there's not a sort of, there's not a weariness as in can't be bothered. There's a sadness that I think uh, creeps into everyone um, in the family and those who have a very, very, very intimate connection with that part of the world of insurmountability and and the idea that it feels that there is a an ever sort of widening gulf between the two sides one has to say this because one it's true but also, because if you don't, you run the risk of trying to be, what's the word when you're sort of railroaded. I think what's happening a lot at the moment in any discussion and conversation on this, I think Nadia is going to be recording some bits and bobs with Teddy about this too, is that as soon as you start to talk, I've talked about this, before. we've talked about this before. Um, If you start a conversation even by talking about one aspect of a topic in which there are two sides, People who don't want to listen to discussion, quickly want to railroad you for themselves, not because it's what you think, into having one opinion on something. Because it serves them more, it's 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 easier to say, so say you lead with the atrocities in Israel and as we all have done for the last 10 days, it's awful, you you know, everyone kind of, anyone who's anti-Israel will be like, oh, you're pro-Israel. And then if you start with the problem of the occupation of Palestine, and everyone's like, oh, you're anti-Israel. You, you can't start on both sides of the equation all the time. Uh, but you can start from a place that I think Riz Ahmed the actor does, which is you start from a place of humanity. Um, and so it is an irresolvable problem that no irk or oik or idiot on any social media or any news channel or anything, is gonna be able to resolve. But sometimes I just think it's really helpful to just flag up the fact that actually, hang on a minute, this is irresolvable, it's all right. It's all right to have sympathy on both sides. It doesn't mean you to have sympathy on both sides is you don't have sympathy on the other. And I think we have to get out of this kind of, what feels like a competition, we've talked about it before, almost a competition of the severity of atrocities. It's all relative, it's all relative, it's all relative to the culture, to the environment, to who you are, where you are, where you live, when it happened, etc. Um, to pretend that this is a non-historical problem is absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Um, it's like pretending. We. Well, it's like pretending you don't have feet. It's just madness. You can't pretend um, that there is no historical precedent or background to this. It's all about history. It's all history, and then it's all history that's then. Uh, and land and geography compounded by uh, religion and culture. Um, Now, one of the things that I think is beginning to creep out though, is is that if, and and the Labour Party's come in for a bit of stick. Now, the Labour Party, the reason I wanna talk about them, they find themselves in a really sort of invidious position where they've had to obviously, rightly, work really hard to, weedle out and stamp out any sort of vestiges of anti-Semitism within, within the party. So, But they've had to come, you know, it's kind of, they've had to come down really hard on that. They, and, you know, the whole Jeremy Corbyn thing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, understandably so, and so they've done that. But here's the thing. I think the danger for the Labour Party is that in needing to appear to be so efficient at what they've done, which is right, they need to have completely stamped out antisemitism. Of course, everyone does. Everyone, I mean, it's a given, isn't it? Labour Party, Tory party, whatever. I noticed the same attention wasn't afforded to Islamophobia within the Tory party with Boris Johnson, their leader's comments about uh, Muslim women. I do seem to remember. And, and that is something that I do think we need to think about. Anti-Semitism is utterly reprehensible. There are schools being daubed, the White Hart Lane was attacked, all sorts of terrible stuff going on and happening but so too is Islamophobia. But it strikes me that Islamophobia is definitely lower down the hierarchy of things to really push against and fight against and and try and remove. You know, there is a, and and it's a fact, it's a fact. I mean, you know, so where I think the Labour Party are at is that in their need to show zero sort of inkling of any possible suggestion of anything they've slightly confused not being anti-semitic which is an absolutely the most important thing to be in the world with having zero compassion for the people of palestine and this is backfiring on them because a number of people in the labour party are saying that they feel Keir Starmer's stance on Israel is inhuman and is unbalanced you know, and this is, you know, what we have to understand is this is now a humanitarian crisis that involves millions. Um, and we're, again, we can't get into the kind of numbers game. If you want to get into the numbers game, this is the bit that I don't understand. If we're going to get into the numbers game, look at the numbers historically and you will see that there are far for every one Israeli death, there's something like 10 Palestinian. So if we want to look at the history historically, and we want to do do the numbers game, unfortunately, that's, you know, try focusing on that. But I don't think any of us are interested in the numbers game. We're interested in civilians, ordinary civilians on both sides of the border, uh, not being caught up in um, a horrendous organisation like Hamas's um, terrorism, nor the incredibly often and dangerous and disproportionate behaviour of elements of the Israeli armed forces too. I mean, there was a post uh, the other day, I think Sean King is posting a lot on this, of a former general, Israeli general, who was responsible or was the commander in a massacre of Palestinians in a, I think in a refugee center back in the 70s. He's very old now, but he was he was driving along and he had sort of like a, he had like a sort of war helmet on, you know, a sort of, you know, armored helmet on. And what he was saying, if you go to Sean, what he was actually saying and what he was um, promoting and, and shouting for was something incredibly dangerous and, you know, verging on the edges of um, a call to wipe a, a, a race out. And this was an Israeli commander who was, who was being used, is being used to build morale within the Israeli troops. Now for every one of these situations there's there's you know radicalization doesn't just happen on one side this whole crisis is going to radicalize the next generation of Hamas fighters and it's going to radicalize an entire generation understandably of israelis who have experienced a threat they perhaps thought they wouldn't necessarily experience in this way again i mean there's there's often rockets that are fired they often don't hit their targets but do you get me so you know, land invasions. I mean, I, I suppose the big, big question I have at the moment is um, what is there to in if yeah, what, Israel are waiting to kind of send their troops in on, on on the ground? They've they've bombed it. They've bombed it. They've bombed it. Israeli forces have bombed the one crossing, the one potential safe crossing into Egypt. And again, going back to this idea that we need an equivalence between anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, we have to give the same significance to both sides, surely? I mean, I don't understand. And it does strike me that we're in a dangerous tipping point in the West where a hierarchy has been created. There's almost like, what's now creeping into it is, and there are lots of Israelis who don't agree with Netanyahu, who would hate to be associated with him or identified with him. But a new new tone has crept into a lot of British politicians who say this, the Palestinians could have done more to get rid of Hamas. So it's the Palestinians fault for what's now happening versus Hamas. So again, that is, that's dangerous to conflate the Palestinian, all Palestinians with Hamas, then what we you know would be to conflate everyone in Israel with Israel, Israel's uh, policy in the occupied territories. It's a really, I think, what's the problematic with this? It's really easy to pick and choose the evidence or the examples, or the incidents to suit your side of the equation. And I think it's incumbent on everyone looking at this to make it more difficult for themselves by looking at both sides of the equation, however much you do or don't want to. I really do. I really do. And I mean, we came out like that, you know, that was, that was my point. You know, at the point that Israel was hit, as we've said many times, the whole world had to stand alongside them as they were shaken to their core, for sure. And you, and th- but then looking at the causes of this and how we then resolve it is a completely different thing. There has to come a point where you do park the atrocities to one side and decide what's the next step here to avoid further atrocities. Christos, a very deep and complex problem which starts deep in history, thousands of years. The animation This Land Is Mine on YouTube will give an idea on how that place of the world is more cursed than holy. That's, that's very true. Um, Dawn Decker, if I criticise Putin, I am not anti-Russian people. Why, if I criticise Netanyahu, am I anti-Semitic? It's a bizarre situation. This is is a problem. This is a problem. You've got to be able to challenge, and presumably, I would have thought for most Israeli, you know, Israelis, what marks Israel as different and above an organisation like Hamas, not above Palestine or Palestinians, but above an organisation like Hamas, is the ability to challenge, debate, uh, question in a democratic fashion, or as near a democratic fashion as any of us have, uh, the choices that their government make. You know, that, that's kind of, you know, in a sense, you know, this eye for an eye idea, surely you don't run at that eye for an eye idea because actually then you're letting down the very thing that you're saying you are. In a way, what you're saying, surely, isn't Israel's move, next move to say we are more, we are more measured than this? I think the vast majority of people in Israel and Palestine who aren't extremist would relish a two-state solution where both countries could live alongside each other. But for that to happen, you can't have however two to three million people's utilities controlled. You just can't, you just can't. There has to be some way of releasing that control. And then you will have less of a sense within the Palestinians of a, an imprisonment I mean if you we've said it before if you imprison if you imprison contain corral and section off you will get rebellion and what stag- I'll tell you what staggers me actually and astonishes me is that this hasn't happened more extremely than this Or that it doesn't kick off even more than it does really I mean that, that's and I, I mean I don't know that's my take on it it's hard though because then if you you know you and you've got to be talking you've got to be very careful if you are seen to post something about one side you're seen as only supporting that side sometimes at a certain point in the day or the time or the story or the news flow things are happening more to one side than the other or if there's a perception that only one side is getting more favourable coverage or sympathetic coverage there's a need to kind of tug things in the opposite direction for balance surely. Um, Shoshana, you must be terrified, sending love and hugs. Shoshana, where are you? Let's see your, your comment, Shoshana. Thank you, everyone. I'm presuming you are in the epicentre of this on one of the sides. do apologise if you are. Catherine Cronin, growing up in Ireland, what was happening in the north of Ireland was the background soundtrack to our lives. It seemed never-ending and hopeless, but then Good Friday happened. Peace happens. Yeah, I mean, it's debatable the extent of that. Bit, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a peace unlike the peace that there wasn't in, uh, in the 70s. Um, hi, April's spooky X sending hello, silence up. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, well, there are, I mean, you know, but as soon as you say to people, in some conversations, go, well, this is not entirely dissimilar to the Irish problem. You see people's eyes glaze over, and you sort of think, well, you know, and look what happened. In terms of the peace process in Ireland, there was a, a moment where everyone had to kind of, even Ian Paisley had to, the hackles had to come down for a moment, and they all had to kind of look each other in the eye. Sometimes it's just about acknowledging. You know? And the West should be fucking building the table to get them to sit at to do this. Not 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 comment, not not providing humanitarian aid, not not condemning the bombing of the Rafa Crossing, you know? Not it's it's just oh. and I and I reiterate it. I've got a story here about the awfulness of schools. Where is it uh, jewish hang on where are we jewish groups oh no no hang on we got uh, 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 sorry we got um oh sorry i had the story of of, of school jewish schools being daubed in paint and, and vandalized which is just awful just awful um and um police oh yeah police launch hate crime probe after red paint thrown at jewish schools in london Massive rise in anti-Semitic incidents in London since the Hamas attack on Israel. Um, but there are also huge numbers of Islamophobic um, attacks and criticisms and uh, and what have you online too. So, you know, both sides have to be condemned. Both sides have to be condemned. Um, uh, just a couple of other just just just, just informational stories. Uh, I think if this continues in Israel, says Unforeseen, Israel should be cut off I isolated Russia. There can't be this double standard, Unforeseen. Yeah, yeah. So true, Grace Ann Martin. So true, Mark. I think people forget that we hurt for the people, not the country or the religion. There is a massive difference to feel for our fellow human beings as humanity. i go back to Riz Ahmed. It's the, it's the the civilians. There's a story here. Look, on both sides of the equation, British teen missing in a Hamas attack has confirmed dead. Tragic, tragic. One of the girls from the peace, I mean, we talked also, didn't we, uh, re- really early on, Them, the peace festival that a lot of these kids or youngsters were at, which was attacked and uh, hostages were taken from, they were Palestinian sympathisers. You know, they sympathised with the problem. There are people in Israel who sympathise with the problem, don't agree with the Israeli state's approach. There's even a Jewish group in uh, at the White House I've got here called, oh, what's their name, what's that, what's that? if not now, uh, protesters were protesting at the White House against the Israeli, go- what they call the Israeli government's plan or language that sounds like genocide. I mean, some of the language that's being used about Gaza and the Palestinians and what they're going to do there is extraordinarily loaded language that even to say some of the words can afford all sorts of painful, awful, historic parallels. Um, and we don't want to be going down that route. We really don't want to be going down that route. So, yes, yeah, so there are groups, but also, as I just said, there's the British teen, you know, a couple of, I think a couple of sisters have been discovered to be amongst the, those who died. Um, there's also a, quite a bit of footage of Pal- a Palestinian doctor I saw yesterday who discovered that his brother and his father were two of the people that had been brought in and died. Uh, another Palestinian doctor was forced to identify his son as dying in an airstrike. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's just awful. It's just, you know, and as Israel says that, you know, they're now saying that there were something like 199 hostages. Um, uh, many more than, than, than we originally thought. Um, Hillary Daly, many Jewish schools are closed here in France. Other schools have protection. A teacher has already been stabbed and killed. Oh, it's just, just awful okay so in other news just briefly um this story popped up i don't know if anyone knows tabby brown a model raheem sterling's ex-girlfriend Playboy model the story was uh everywhere really tragically passes away suddenly um she tributes pulled in for tabby from south london um she's featured in music videos Uh, obviously she went out with dated footballer Raheem Sterling but she posted an image apparently just smiling a day or two ago and then her family have tragically announced that she's she's passed away so that that I, I'd not heard of her but um you know tragic tragic news there um Richard Madeley, is there's some some people want Richard Madeley pulled off air because he was asking insensitive questions of uh, a woman who's who a, a British Palestinian MP he was sort of suggesting that because she was Palestinian perhaps she would know uh, if she'd heard anything. <laughs> this idea that if you're Palestinian, you've somehow got a hotline to Hamas. Uh, yeah, right, right, Richard, of course. Um, and and the, the other story I've got here, which is slightly more lighthearted, um, is manopause. Who believes, okay, shifting away from global, political, irresolvable problems to ma- the manopause? Who believes the manopause is a thing? Does anyone believe the menopause is a thing? Let me pull this up. This is the story. This is, you know, um, Gogglebox star, Stephen, Stephen Webb, you know, the, the hairdresser. He, I think he's, is he going into the jungle or something? Um, he's talking about having had testosterone jabs and they revitalized him in a way that he never imagined possible. Suggesting that yes, the menopause, he says his sex drive was on the floor and it turns out it was the menopause. Is this a thing? I mean, I've said before, we, and I think someone actually on here said when we discussed it, I think on uh, maybe on uh, the Sunday Show or something. Um, maybe a good 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 evidence of men having their own midlife crisis hormonally or emotionally or whatever is the fact that you know suicide numbers um, belie the fact that you know men obviously are going through a crisis of sorts themselves. Um, but you know, I think are we in a situation here where, <clears throat> and this is this, this this is kind of a leading question, some. Man flu, it's all very funny. We all like it. Yeah, get it. As soon as a bloke feels vaguely ill, he's suddenly worse than any woman. I get it. I hear it. I understand what it's about. And I think there's there's truth in it. But what if, what if, here's a what if. What if on one occasion that man flu is actually someone feeling genuinely very ill? Um, And what we're saying is, by saying it's man flu, is there's no need for any sympathy whatsoever. What if the menopause thing, which isn't in no way trying, isn't necessarily trying to encroach upon the menopause, but maybe it's a thing that needs some attention. It's this idea that maybe there's more than one thing here that both need attention without us kind of getting to that place of going, oh yeah, right, do you know what I mean? It strikes me as annoying and odd though that the only sort of top topic in this discussion, even from this chat from Gogglebox, is about sex. I mean, I saw a story the other day about how the availability of Viagra to over 80-somethings is leading to a generation of really annoying and harassing sexually active octogenarians, which if you think about it, sort of mobilizing old men to be able to have sex isn't isn't a great thing when we live in the kind of culture that we do. (laughs) So yeah, you know, is it just about sex or is it about motivation? Is it about mood? Is it it all that kind of stuff? Um, I suppose the question is, does anyone here know anyone that they could in a favorable moment, rather than kind of just scoffing and raising an eyebrow, say, oh, Maybe, maybe my husband was going through a bit of bit of menopause. Uh, Sharon M, what do you? Yes, I believe depression and loss of libido does happen in men. I think it must do. I think it does. Um, I love Stephen and his partner find the partner find them hilarious. Yes, so do I, Jackie Villeneuve. It's very good. Erin um, Bullimore, everyone's hormones change as you get older. Men can certainly be affected by that. It's just a sudden radical. It's just such a radical change as women go through. Yeah, um, Lee Durrant, just being stressed in general can affect sex drive. Um, Sarah Jones, I'm currently in menopausal. Um, Margaret Ann MacArthur, there is andropause, which is the male one, but only 1% of reduced testosterone that affects them, unlike the horrendous effects and symptoms of women. Not the same level. I'm sure it can't be. I mean, you know, if I was like an alien that landed, I would look at the kind of what the two bodies do, and a woman's body manages to recreate life. I would look at the two of them and say, I think that body, the female body, is much more loaded with the potential for hormonal confusion and wrong wiring than that body there that really needs to hammer nails. (laughs) I'm being silly. Do you get me? Anyway, I just thought, you know, manopause, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not a thing. Maybe we're going to discover it really is a big thing. Who knows? Anyway. um, So let's go <laughs> um so guys um a green figure to hell is landing later today that should be fun um and uh as i say the creative review is coming to uh, the final final edition of a uh, couple does studland um and as we head towards the weekend all the normal stuff will be landing on the channel um sending you all love and have a lovely day and stay safe san diego why san diego